Welcome to episode 5 of Breaking the Dice. On this week's episode, we start things off with our recent play roundup, go in-depth on the good, the bad, and the not-so-pretty of Monopoly Gamer, and finally finish up with a discussion of the Dice Tower Awards. Hey gamers, it's Michelle with Breaking the Dice, and I'm here today with Jay... What's up? And Paul. Hello. And it has been a minute since last time we talked, but we are very excited to talk some new games that we've gotten to play, um, touch on some things coming up at Gen Con. We're very excited and just update you on all the fun stuff. One thing I wanted to let everybody know, we're planning on doing daily recaps at Gen Con, so make sure you're listening. We'll have updates every evening, well, night, 3 a.m., whenever we roll in and get done playing games, to let you know how things are going there. It's been a minute since we met. We've played tons of games, so what are some things you guys want to talk about? I know you guys played a couple new fun things. You got to play Tyrants of the Underdark. I think that's the first one we should really touch on here. <laughs> Tyrants of the yeah. Underdark. We picked that up, what, a week ago? And I think we've played it now between all of us, roughly four or five times. Which is a lot for us. I mean, for those of you that don't know what Tyrants of the Underdark is, it's a D&D deck building board game, but it incorporates some area control with it. So not only are you building up and you're warring drow civilizations, bear with me, it's been a minute on my D&D lore, mm-hmm. but uh, you're warring drow and you're trying to take control of all of, the un- uh, all of the Underdark. And so it's really a nice combination of regular war game with some deck building. Yeah, you've got a mix of each person has warriors or soldiers and spies. And then you have your circle. Yeah, your inner circle. To me, I think I only got to play it the one time. I feel like it, it probably deserves a little bit more a little bit more attention. But to me it felt like it was a pretty straightforward approach to deck building and a pretty straightforward approach to area control and kind of kind of putting those together. The aspect of of area control is is really just the the tokens on a board and one token is one token, and then you are either removing them or adding them. So it's a it's a fairly basic mechanic for area control. And then the deck building it has a lot of similarities to if you played a deck building game at this point, you kind of get the score. It does play really well. It is really kind of interesting play. I do appreciate that uh, in the in the game that I played, I got kind of a slow start, but the game ended up being relatively close overall. And I think that's that's definitely a good sign of balance in a game. Overall, as in Michelle wasn't close. <laughs> I, you were, I mean, first was about as far yeah. away from second as second was from yeah. third. It was it was a pretty it was pretty even distribution. I mean, considering how the game was playing, being that you know we only had one one experienced player at the table, having it end up where few plays differently could really have have swung it in someone else's favor. I think that says a lot for balance. That's, that's uh, something I've always always really liked about a game like Blood Rage. Your first few rounds can can go terribly, and mm-hmm. you can accomplish nothing, and you're still in the game. There's still a chance that you'll win. There's always an opportunity to turn things around, and I felt like that's it's got a little bit of that there. I I think I would have liked it heavier, but we also played kind of the intro. You played the, intro the beginner half decks. Yeah. So the game comes with four half decks. The kind of beginner recommended is Dragons and Drow, yeah. which is is good entry. It kind of gets you the basic mechanics of deck building. 
Ben and I looked through both of the other decks, and they get pretty advanced mm-hmm. on kind of tactics. And so, I mean, it does get pretty advanced, and it does have that replayability because it has the different decks, the different combination of decks you can use. An ideal for expansions, just by adding in additional yeah. half decks, well, you, yeah, can, you can expand really it real easily. So I, I, I really liked it. Both the games I played, we played with the beginner decks because we were playing with new people both times. Both games, I, I felt halfway through like I wasn't anywhere close and ended up winning both. The second game in a landslide, I had one really good round towards the end that I took over the best spot on the board in, in, with one hand. And I got the four cards just right to take all four spots in one location and overrun that and take the three victory points for that location and really turn the tide for me in that game. Outside of that, though, I mean, it plays really well. You can get that one really lucky draw where you can turn the game around for yourself and go from feeling like you're in middle of the pack to in the lead at that point. I think for me, this game is a really great place, especially if you've got the group that are D&D gamers. They're going to appreciate the theme. They're going to know what all these different places on the board are. And it is, I feel like, light enough to bring in your gamer friends. Does that make sense? Like, if they don't play board games, but are still kind of into the idea of a tabletop game, RPGs, things like that, I think they're going to be able to get the concepts there pretty easily. I wouldn't call it a family weight game just because it does have some complex strategies to it. But I think it definitely does fit on that shelf for your friends that enjoy D&D and, you know, that you can try to get them to play a board game once in a while when you're not gaming. It goes right on the shelf next to Lords of Waterdeep for yeah. me. In that yeah. it's it's deck builder area control to go with Lords of Waterdeep, which is worker placement, different mechanics, same idea. It's that D and D back end, so it gets the gamer, and it just plays. To me, it played really well. I really enjoyed the game. Yeah. And thematically, it does make a lot of sense. Like it's a good addition to that that general world, Definitely. especially considering you're essentially playing underneath Waterdeep. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes a lot of sense that you make that connection there. I think for me, I would say that given that it, it needs some more attention, I think if you're more interested in a drier war style deck builder game, this is this is a good game for that. If you are more interested in strategy than than kind of a, a more lighthearted play, then this this would be a good game. If you look into have something that's a little bit more lighthearted and relaxed, I think Clank is probably a better yeah. Oh yeah. A, a better choice in, in my book. They're two different styles of deck builders. Yeah. I mean yeah. we've got Clank, we've got Vikings Gone Wild, mm-hmm. and we've got Tyrants of the Underdark that we've all picked up in the last few months. And they all hit kind of different aspects. And Vikings I feel like is definitely a uh, Vikings Gone Wild definitely to me feels heavier than Tyrants of the Underdark. And that's only because of like the ongoing scorekeeping that's pretty I mean mm-hmm. out there in your face. It's not a let's see who did better. It's got a lot game. more mechanics to it than yeah. Tyrants. Tyrants is strictly area control deck building. That's yeah. all it is. Well, I think I think Vikings is probably a, a, one of those situations where it's it's broader but not deeper. Yeah, they, yeah, they threw a bunch of different things in yeah, to this deck builder young. and built up this huge game that's revolved around this deck builder that's got all these different mechanics to it. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels a lot bigger. Yeah, because there it's got more, and, you know, yeah. you're building up your town, you can do some of that, you can attack mm-hmm. each other more so than you can in Tyrants. And maybe maybe give a nod to this. We talked about this a little bit last night, mm-hmm. but um, there, were, there was some chatter online. Someone had made a comment, and I don't, I don't necessarily remember who or what what forum it was on, but someone had made a comment that if you are any any bit colorblind, 
Tyrants of the Underdark is unplayable. And I, and I would totally agree. I, I think, you know, it, it, there, there's, a, there's lighting considerations that come yeah. into play, but really, when you have, they have the four player colors, and they have... They, they have the really kind of the, the, the purple, the purple and gray, mm-hmm. and then you have the the red and the orange. Yeah. And we were, we were playing, you know, we were looking at it, and we didn't have the best lighting, maybe, but we were we were looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm having trouble di- differentiating my pieces from this other player's pieces, you know. So I'm thinking, That's I probably I probably should have picked the orange, the orange one instead. But then it's like, well, we also have the red players. So if I picked orange, I couldn't tell the difference between my pieces and, and the, the, red and the board itself very muted in yeah. that same mm-hmm. like everything kind of blended together which i get for the theme why they were going with that yeah um, everything's just black and white on yeah. the board yeah. for the most part i mean and it's and so yeah i would definitely agree if you do have somebody yeah. who's color colorblind it might be one of those things you look at switching out and using different yeah. components for it because of it because yeah i would totally see where that'd be a problem yeah why well, don't see it for an expansion <laughs> there, yeah. there you go. But the colors. Colors. Been an we got you. I mean, so Champions of Midgard thought about that yes. extensively as they were releasing their expansions. In that they looked at it and they had a bunch of complaints because they were throwing out colors of black and gray or black and gray, and so there were a lot of complaints that these colors are really close. A purple and a black mm-hmm. were really close in in color, so they redid that and came up with two two kind of different colors so that they wouldn't be close mm-hmm. because there were some complaints on that mm-hmm. um, before they released the expansions or kind of finished that Kickstarter. So I mean that that can bring a different yeah. aspect to it. So an expansion might be a way they can fix that. Mm-hmm. Release another couple half decks, and then some different colors yep. to kind of. Yeah, change it up, and, and to be fair, like the the general rule is, if you are, if you're making a game and you want to be you want to be sensitive towards color blindness, you, you make the pieces look different in, in something other than color, and they do that in, in Tyrants of the Underdark. Most of the pieces have your your house seal on them, so it's just hard to yeah, see. Yeah, close ex- close examination, you can tell whose is whose, but. Uh, that that could get a little bit clunky if you if you cannot at all tell the difference between the colors. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at the board just from sitting at a table, you can't see the symbols on them. Mm-hmm. It's just not. You'll possible. have to be thinking of people's pieces. To yeah, look at, and then that gets complicated. So another game I'm enamored with right now uh, is Dice Forge. This game is made by the same people as Seasons, so I'm a sucker for their artwork every time they produce a game. Um, this game is the exact opposite, completely bright colors, beautiful. I mean, just a gorgeous game. And it is a resource generator game. It is all about resources, resources, resources. I'm, I played this game at a minimum player count of two and maximum player count of four. Um, it is really cool because you actually, each player has these two plastic dice and those are what you're changing throughout the game. They have these little dice faces you get you get and they change how well your dice are doing um, and that is one way to generate resources and then the other way is to go to these magical islands and the theme to be honest is a little pasted on I, I feel like I could feel like there was you could have put any theme in there they went with yeah. like a with a with a you know your typical fantasy theme mm-hmm. um, but it is beautiful and you go to these mythical islands and you can beat up monsters to get you know resources that way and it kind of just all factors into victory points at the end of the game really loving this game um it is it's a pretty simple game to learn i would put it probably about a medium weight just because the concept of just uh gobbling up these victory points and things that will turn into victory points is kind of hard because you really do have to think like well i could take this hammer 
that gives me this little thing that every time I get gold, I can trade it in for victory points after I get so many golds, or I can just go beat on this same monster four times. Will you know what will even out more, um, and what will equate to more victory points? So I would put it about a medium weight. The only downside on this game for me would probably be pay player interaction. It does kind of feel like even at full player count, it's got this mechanic where if you are on a spot and somebody kicks you off of your spot, then you roll dice and so you get more resources, which you know is kind of like a. Uh, you know, you're rewarding them for taking the, your spot. But I feel like, other than that, there's not much player interaction. Mm -hmm. Paul, you played this game with Yeah, me, but... uh, you know, I think, and I think part, of the, part of the player interaction elements are supposed to be bundled into the, the limited resources factor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that came up a couple of times. But yeah. the resources aren't quite that limited. There are certain, you know, so basically if, if you're playing, however many players you're playing, you have that many cards at each one of these magical islands. So if someone goes there uh, and they repeatedly go to that same island, they can buy up all of one thing and then the other person doesn't have an option to get at that. But the other side of that is that there not, are all of the other islands yeah, it's not that you're wandering around the whole time. Yeah, it's not necessarily game changer if somebody does that. It, it's, not, it's not like any one of them is something you need so badly that you... You, you're at a serious disadvantage for not having it. Yeah, it really allows you to adjust your strategy as you're going in case you do have that person who decides to, to yeah, I'm going to go beat mm -hmm. the Hydra, which is the highest point card in the game, and I'm just going to sit on that island and beat that Hydra every time, mm -hmm. which is churning out a bunch of victory points, but then you can just go about it a different way. And yeah, well, and, I, and I think that was that was the game that we played. Yeah. I, think, I think you won. Uh, based Barely. off of based off of taking yeah. down taking down that that big high point Hydra, uh, but you know it wasn't it wasn't like it was a blowout. It no, was, it was a fairly close game because I think we were they were like five points apart or something. Yeah. It wasn't much at all. Yeah, there were definitely some other other strategies at play there, and I you know I kind of picked the, the pick, picked the gold the gold hoarder strategy, and that yeah. that earned me a lot of points early on. So yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of options there. It's interesting in that it's got that kind of uh, deck building, worker placement uh -huh. sort of element of you know you have well, these you have these things you're trying building. to accomplish, you know, you're trying to trying to build that engine, uh, and usually when you play those games, it, it, there's always a feeling of, of urgency. Like mm -hmm. they, I have this plan of all these things that I want to build up and all these things that I want to get going, and you know the game's going to be over before I can actually get everything moving. So you have to. You have to be able to kind of adjust your strategy mm -hmm. and, and, and be able to compromise a little bit. In that game, I felt like there wasn't really there wasn't really so much of that. Like I think at the end of the game, I had all of my dice faces because as you as you go through the game, one of the things you're doing is changing the faces of your dice. So that when you roll them, you can get better things. Or you can put good things on your dice and never roll it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I had I, I think at the end of the game, I had I had I had my dice set up. Pretty much exactly how I would want them. I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have changed them if I had the freedom to pick anything I wanted. So yeah, I'm really enjoying this game. Like I said, it, I wish I had a little bit more player interaction, but that's probably just my personal taste. Mm -hmm. um, Higher player count, I think, makes a bigger difference there too. Because if, if every play, you, if every you play think. you make is letting someone roll, then that's potentially giving them huge benefits to the point where you have to stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for the situation that we were in, it was pretty easy just to go ahead and say, "Okay, well, I'm, I'm just not going to bother with it. I'll go to this other place 
because any, any one of these things fits my strategy, so I have plenty of options. I think this Dice Forge has a place for uh, Euro gamers. I think this would be a really great, if you're into Euro games and want to try to get your friends into Euro games, Dice Forge would be a really good intro or light version of a, a good Euro game. Because Just for the fact of you really are working on your own stuff. While, yes, you can kind of help each other, you know, help another player by taking their space that doesn't make or break the game unless like you would just have to follow somebody around the whole game and there's just so many spaces and things to do that usually you can get away with going somewhere and then moving somebody else they'll move themselves by the time you go again i, I like this game i don't know how much play it'll get to be honest i'm a little nervous uh we were looking at the dice the little dice facings that you clip in and out and it worries me that how much play you're going to get out of those of like yeah, snapping them out. out. Aren't they cardboard or? No, they're or plastic. plastic. They're, and I mean, plastic. they're good quality. I'm not yeah. gonna knock the quality of the components. And obviously, the, this company it's, is known for their beautiful artwork and their beautiful. Isn't it being distributed by Asmodee? Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, just beautiful, beautiful game on the table. I mean, this is one of those games you play, and everybody's like, "Ooh, what are you doing? What is that game?" It's very um, interesting. It's got the the big chunky dice, kind of like Seasons does. Yes. Every face does something a little bit different, and so that's something that I really liked about it. But that would be my worry with this game is I don't know how yeah. how many games you'll get out of those dice before you start seeing some wear and tear on those. Yeah. Because they are kind of a pain to get in and out. Yeah. Um, and I don't obviously I don't have an answer for that really, but well, the um, the, the mechanism of it, I think I think they they designed that with longevity in mind mm -hmm. because how these pieces snap in there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that they could have gone about that they could it have used like pegs or something like kind that kind of a gamer's nightmare though to play this with people you don't know <laughs> because when they're grabbing it and they take those die facings and just like start wrenching on them you're like ah stop like they didn't include this, a tool to pop them well, out or something no it shows you in the instructions to take the corner of a, the die facing and just pop it off mm -hmm. and if you do that that's fine you just kind of like go on two sides and give yeah. them a little, little pop and it'll come right off but like one person with one name um, was like grabbing it and like might as well had a screwdriver. Like he's just like wedging in there. And I'm like, ah, oh, like let's be nice to the game. Um, so <laughs> if that makes you you a little nervous, then you might want to avoid this game. But all in all, I really enjoy it. I think I think I'll definitely get some more plays out of it. I really like it. It's very relaxed. I mean, I really think it really has a home for. It's longer than a filler, but if you're not feeling like getting into some sort of crazy thematic game and you just want to have that kind of relaxed and let's check some dice and and take it take it easy. The the look and artwork will draw you in alone. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful game. The yeah. the box art is simple and beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's it's it, it is it is very gimmicky too with the the mm -hmm. whole the whole dice crafting scenario, mm -hmm. but that's that's sort of what's popular now. The 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 huge explosion of deck builders and then with things like Mystic Veil, uh, you know, that kind of customize customizing your options play style is is the thing to do right now. And as much as it is clearly a gimmick, uh, it is a lot of fun. Like, I really do enjoy, you know, you pop out that piece, you put your new one in there, and then you're one in six chance that you're going to get your new your new die face on your next roll. And you roll a lot. You don't roll just yeah, once. No, you're rolling you know, in you're between roll, each roll turn. Frequently. And so, so, you're, so you're, you're, you're likely to pull up whatever you've got uh, in, in contrast with 
things like a deck builder where you've got to burn through the whole stack before you have a chance of getting your new cards. In this one, the very next roll you can get your new thing and uh, and you're going to roll several times. You're probably gonna you're probably gonna roll a couple of times before your next turn. So so, so the next thing I kind of want to jump into, and I have yet to play this game, but I have had people want to play this game at every game day we go to. And I think both of you have both played this. We talked about this the last time. Ice Cool has been a hit with everybody oh I've seen gosh. play it. Yeah. And I've seen Dex games played, and they usually take up an entire table. Mm -hmm. They're massive. This fits in and a small box. About components falling off. And exactly. Well, it, it, I mean, it still does take up, mm -hmm. take up a little. It takes oh, up. It takes. But up it's not near as much, space. near as much space as like a flick 'em up, or mm -hmm. some of those other yeah. big ones yeah, no, where components are flinging all over. This is take and, up the same space as your normal, like prepare, like an X wing medium weight board game. Yeah, yeah. an X wing table. It would be fine. Less than X wing. Probably. Yeah, yeah, it's less than that even. Yeah, I mean. It, yeah, any medium weight board game, it's going to fit that Roughly same three foot by two foot little box that kind of pieces yeah. together. Mm -hmm. So Ice Cool is a really, um, and they get props for their box design because uh, it really does come in that standard like old Monopoly box. Yeah, your, um, your, your so, default Hasbro box. Yeah, it comes in that, but then all of the boxes kind of uh, like those Russian stacking dolls kind of come out of it and then you put them all together mm. and it creates this giant uh, school because you are penguins in high school and um, all you're skipping class to go get fish because you're hungry and impatient apparently. I don't know what morals we're teaching our children with this game. And <laughs> skip class to get fish. <laughs> so, so one of you, one of the players is a hall monitor. So their job is to get all of the people who are skipping class, the penguins that are skipping class, and the penguins all have their little wooden fish markers on different hallways, and there's three of them. And so they're trying to flick their penguin underneath these doorways to collect their fish. And then you'll get point cards at the end of the round. Uh, the round will end when somebody is either collected all of their fish or if the hall monitor has gotten everybody's little ID cards. And uh, then there's some point cards giving out at the end of this game. I'm awful at it, but um, we've had a yep. good time every time it has come out. It's uh, obviously, it's a really simple game, but I mean, I've seen this played from adults to little bitty kids and everybody's enjoying it. I think I think it, both the game days we've had since then at, mm -hmm. at the Village Geek, we've had a family that's picked it up and started playing it. Mm -hmm. um, and you watch them, and they're you know any age range of kids uh, that are you know five or five or more, and adults, the parents playing, and they're all having a great time. The parents this aren't feeling gonna... like they're you know like they're just kind of going along because it's a kids game. They're actually enjoying it, flicking them around, trying to get the strategy into it. And failing every time. And this is not a sit down and be calm. Like, every, it's constantly, like, you're moving around the table to try to get the right shot. You know, it's really crazy. We had a game day, and I had taught it to a family. And this girl just, I don't I think that she was hustling her family. She was, like, a nine-year-old girl. And she was just ridiculous with this game. She would, like, flick the penguin, and it would, like shoot through like three different rooms at one time and then be where she needed to be. I'm like, I couldn't do that if you paid me. And uh, so like her family was like all over her on it. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I, yeah, I think this is, if you are a family board gaming group, if you're a board gaming group that hosts game days, if you have children in your games at any point ever, high schools I have to have. I mean, you really don't have to take our recommendation at this point. I think it's it's it won the Kinderspiel. Mm -hmm. It won um, the Dice Tower Awards for for family, family game. game. Yeah. 
So, so it's it's getting a lot of recognition. It, it is the the in vogue kind of family game to have this year. So, and this will be just for those of you who like to get things done early. Uh, look for Christmas presents because this will be one of those you can gift to your family. You not know, an expensive game. It's not an expensive game, and it's 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 definitely something you could give to your family that have kids or whatever else. It will make some amazing Christmas presents. Well, and good for the Christmas party. Yeah. Or the family get together to bring out, sit on the table, play with you can play with the kids or the or the parents, whatever. But yeah, it, it's been a big hit every time I've seen it played. Everybody's had fun with it. Mm-hmm. I need to get a game of it in one of these days. I, I think the problem is is that adults try to hit the penguins like balls. Yes thinking of like a pool ball or something to, to flick it. Yeah. And children don't have that same aspect. So they're flicking them more like, you know, just trying to go for Just something. trying to aim, and, yeah, yeah. Where adults were like, oh, if I could bounce it off this wall or if I could bang it off of here, I'll be okay. And the yeah. kids are like, no, I'll just take everything and leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult game to get I also play new really vantage point. <laughs> kids have a better vantage point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I blame that, but um, yeah, definitely I would put this in your must-have collection. Like I said, if, if you've got kids or you ever play with kids, definitely. Uh, and even if you're a Dex gamer, I I'm, I like I said, I'm terrible at this game, but I have fun every time playing it. If you're a Dex gamer and enjoy Dex games, definitely try this out. We've got a couple more games we've tackled here recently. Um, another one we did was uh, Perlock Holmes. The puns, the puns. This is a game where you're trying to, everybody's got a little criminal in front of them. It's it's Sherlock Holmes with cats. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, So everybody's got a card in front of them, and it's an animal, and then there's a time that that animal crib committed a crime, and you're trying to guess what your animal is. I would put it at war, or not war, what's the... It's the guessing game. There's like the Indian game or whatever where you had it on your forehead. You know, those kinds of card games. You're trying to get somebody to guess the card. Heads up was another oh, yeah, one. Heads yeah, up. You know, yeah. kind of that style where you're trying to figure out what's on your head. But you really, the only information you're getting told is if it's a lead or if it's a dead end. Mm-hmm. So if it's the right animal or an adjacent time, it's a lead. And if it's not anything else, it's a dead end. So you don't get a whole lot of information. And while you're all trying to do this, there's this little furiority who is getting away. And so you kind of has a, it kind of puts a time on the game. Yeah. Kind of adds a kind of semi-cooperative element to it, which I think is a, 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 little, a little bit confusing because, yeah, you're trying to... You're trying to capture Furiarty before he escapes. Uh, but at the same time, the winner is whoever got the most points. So you're yeah. not really trying to help each other out. I got three plays in this game, in, to... and we, know we never, on any one of those games, got close to getting Furiarty. I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is a game that I feel like the strategy that it's encouraging involves a lot of guessing. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're the kind of person where you're going to get all of your evidence and then make a well-informed decision, say, it must be this because I know all these things. Uh, it doesn't really reward that so no. much because it takes too long. Somebody has to be guessing basically Constantly. every round. Yeah. Uh, and and you, get, you get some information to start with, but you're not going to be sure by the time you're making a guess. You know, and this, it's, it's, it almost has some of the elements of, of a game like Clue where you're gathering all this evidence for this, this particular thing, but you can't just make wild accusations. For me, 
This game is fun with my daughter. It's fun with the girls. It's fun to play with the kids. I don't know that it's a long stay. I don't know that it'll hit the table very often. It's adorable. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. And yeah, the cat puns are amazing. I just don't know. For me, I would almost recommend taking out the whole Furiority thing and just do like we're playing to points, the first person to points, and just make it truly like against each other. Or really focus on like trying to catch maybe take away like the idea of point winning and make a true co-op and just try to get Ferrari because to me it yeah it feels like um there is no reward for really knowing what you have like yeah. you just have to wildly guess every turn and either take the hit or you know for not doing it right or or not so that would be my that's that's my thing with it like i said it's fun with the kids they have a good time trying to guess and figure out what's going on but there are just other games that do that they, that style looks much better. It's another cat game this year. <laughs> right, because that's the thing. Three thousand two hundred and seventy-four <laughs> for the year, I yeah, guess. The cat, um, yep. I, I feel like every time you turn around, there's another game that's something cat or kittens, and that's just kind of been the theme this year. But there's none of them, none of them have ever been as good as Space Pirates, Amazon Ninja Cat Girls. Sure. Yeah. True, that's it's, probably it's, one of my favorite That's games. where cat games peaked, and everything after, everything <laughs> after that has been... So, Raise Your Goblets. This is a fun party-style game uh, put out by Cool Me Near Not. And uh, this is the epitome of that scene from The Princess Bride with the poison in the cups. And it's like, oh, do you know that I know? And would, would you put the poison in? Would you put it in mine? It's that in a group setting. You've got these really cool little plastic goblets and these little... Uh, the little dragon tear counter markers that for anybody who's played magic back in the day or you have them in your aquarium. And some of them symbolize like wine, some of them symbolize poison. There's like an ogre, which an ogre tear, which is like super poison. And then there's like a unicorn tear, which counteracts the ogre and the antidote. And you each, each person has uh, a house they're playing. And it's basically, yeah, you're, you're, you're rotating the cups, trying to figure out what cup you're safe drinking. And you're at a dinner party, and so you're kind of swapping things around, and then somebody calls a toast, and you drink you drink what you got. This is a fun game. It's a, definitely a party game. There's some two-player, there's like a two-player variant, which plays like the Princess Bride scenario, mm -hmm. and then there's a smaller counter. I'm really interested to play this game at full capacity, because if you play it with, with your full-player count, which I can't remember off the top of my head, it's like 12, I think. You uh, Everybody plays a house, and then you get a tester, so your tester's trying to help you out and try to help you figure out what's going on, unless they're a traitor. And so then they're trying to get you poisoned. So I think that would add a whole nother dynamic. I haven't gotten to play that variant yet. So th I think this... the highest player count we played that was six or seven, six or I think. Seven, yeah. And it, I thought it played really well. It, uh, my, my wife, who's a very picky gamer, really enjoyed it, had a fun time with it. It, it is a party game, but it, it really has a lot of player interaction, a lot of back and forth, and really keeps and everybody really, really cool engaged. Is, like, the houses, you know who you're trying to, who's trying to kill you, and you know who's trying to kill, who you're trying to kill. Like, all the information is out up front. So, you know, Paul's house might be trying to kill my house while I'm trying to kill Jay. So you always suspect what's going on with those people who you're involved with. In the meantime, the other people at the table could just be killing you for, you know, because they also have to kill somebody else or whatever. So um, I really like that aspect of it, of you know up front what, what people are trying to achieve. Yeah, it, it's, it's the kind of game that I think, I think it really shines with the, that higher player count. We've played we've played with multiple player counts, and so you you get the maximum player count. You get 
all these other all these other rules, all this extra complexity. You have somebody that's on your side, or maybe not. Um, so it adds a lot of a, a lot of kind of complex social deduction going on. As you strip away players, you strip away the rules, and it becomes less and less complex. So at a low player count, I mean, it's you know, it's it's the it's, it's, it's Plastic Goblet's version of three-card Monty, really. It's, yeah. You're just trying to figure out which, which cup's the good one to drink from, and that's pretty much all of the strategy. Uh, it is a lot, more, a lot more interesting when you get to bring in those extra rules. And I wouldn't recommend it at a low player count. I think there's much better games that handle those lower player counts. But for, for the higher player counts, this really does play pretty well. It's pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. We also, man, there's been some big news. This Monopoly Gamer... Have you? This is ridiculous. People are blowing up over Monopoly Gamer. And what this is, is Nintendo and Hasbro. Nintendo decided we're going to do a Monopoly game and we're going to do it better than our old Nintendo Monopoly games. And they are going, and they called it Monopoly Gamer. And essentially what it is, is it's, it's Monopoly. And instead of money, you've got coins. And the thing I do like about it is it comes with your, with your Mario characters and each one has a special power. Um, they all have special powers. So you have two dice. One is your regular D6 for your movement, and the other one it will tell you what special power. They have symbols on them, and depending on what person you have, that will mean a different thing. So if it has a flower on it, it could, for me, mean I get to take three coins. For Paul, it may mean, you know, he loses something, you know, vice versa, whatever. Whatever your powers are. You have little boss fights. And there's eight bosses that go from, that go, and then the easiest, littlest one, is the first one you kind of build up until you beat Bowser at the end, and after that, you know, the that's game is over. Bowser Jr. Yeah. Which that's that's another that's another issue there. So I'm a Nintendo person, so I'm always a little bit attracted to Nintendo. You can't hide Monopoly. It's still Monopoly. Yeah. And while I think they're doing something right while putting a timing timer on it, and they do kind of have more kind of take that stuff involved, so almost a lot of people are akinning it to like a Mario Kart on a board because you can like throw shells at the other players and make them lose spaces and points and whatever. The other gimmick to this game is it has expansion packs. These little mystery little packs you can buy. They include a new character with their mm -hmm. special power card, and so each character ideally plays differently. This thing has blown up. I've yeah. seen posts on it constantly on the board game group of like, everybody has an opinion. I mean, if you love sure. it or hate it, everybody has an opinion on this game. And while mine is not as favorable just because of my distaste for Monopoly, I do see where it could appeal to people. Well, you know, Monopoly is kind of the, the the gamer's punching bag at this point. Like, you know, a, a serious gamer does not like Monopoly, and we could go on and on about the reasons for that. There, there's people that are, you know, writing their doctoral dissertation on why Monopoly is a bad game at this point. <laughs> uh, you know, it has a lot of flaws. Uh, I, I, I would say that looking into the mechanics of this game and what it brings to the table, I can get why so many people are excited about it. They didn't need Monopoly. That's that's the frustrating part here is that Nintendo did not need Monopoly to make this game. Yeah, I think it's like a your, your combination of like your warm fuzzies of playing a Nintendo game and like nostalgia because we all know Nintendo sells nostalgia. And then like I think maybe there's an appeal because all of us have done our time as Monopoly and, and many people enjoy it. Especially younger until you don't you know know don't don't know know any better. So I think a lot of it is getting sold because it's like oh it's Monopoly but better with yeah. Nintendo. I, I think they threw the tagline Monopoly on it just to try to sell it. 
I think that like... I think that helps sell it on the family market, which sure. it really is geared towards family games. Yes. Yeah. The Nintendo player, the you know, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're, if not necessarily a hardcore money. gamer. I mean, that's yeah, not who it's meant for. They throw gamer on there. That's not who it's actually meant for. It's meant for the Monopoly player or the yeah. family game. Trying to tag in those. Those gamers that, you know, those people that play board games that aren't gamers. Yeah. That just want to pick up, you know, that pick up the games at Target to play. And Target's got more games now, so they're playing a little bit more in-depth stuff, but they're still not a hardcore gamer like most of us I think they're trying to follow in the footsteps of, like, Risk. Mm -hmm. Risk has put out some, like, the new Star Wars Risk. People will argue till they're blue in the face. That's not a Risk game. They put Risk on there to be able to put it in the family. And, um, you know... sell alongside with Star Wars. Yeah. It gets to draw Star Wars. It gets to draw the name Risk. It's a double double down. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's kind of the footsteps they're Mm -hmm. trying to follow in. But, yeah, it's still Monopoly. Like, like, that's just my only downfall with this game is it was still, I mean, it's still very much you're going around, you're getting your properties. Now, you can't do the houses and hotel thing. It's just like a standard. They they, they stripped out a lot of the, a lot of the Monopoly rules that Mm -hmm. that just aren't good. It's built uh, you more know, like the, a Monopoly the, Junior. The the economy of it is it's, it's just coins, so you're not mm-hmm. you know you're not trying to figure out how much how much is eight hundred dollars worth of whatever. It's you just have a, a certain number of coins. It has it, it has a lot of elements of uh, Mario Kart and Mario Party mixed together. Mm-hmm. If Nintendo had gotten together and said we want to make a board game based off of either Mario Kart or Mario Party or both. This is the game that it would have looked like. The only thing they got from Monopoly, aside from the name, was the board, which they didn't need. So that's the really frustrating part here, is that I think after everything's said and done for a relatively lightweight game, they did make a good game, but they slapped Monopoly on there, and it, and it brings in all of this baggage of Monopoly, which of course the, you know, Hasbro wanted to, loves that idea because that that baggage is what's making them tons of money. They, they keep they keep reprinting oh, yes. Monopoly boards and just changing the names of all the I'll properties. I'll be picking up a copy for my uncle who collects nothing but Monopoly games. <laughs> so my other frustration with this game is is looking at it. If if you if you intend to purchase a copy of Monopoly Gamer, well now there's other considerations. You can't just go out and pick up a copy because that's that's not what you do because this is this is a Nintendo title. So. Of course, you need the GameStop exclusive version, <laughs> yep. which is the collector's edition, which has um, the inserts much nicer. There's some differences in components. That's the only way to get the Bowser character, which that's a whole other topic. But it's it's it, Bowser, your your typical your typical Mario villain, is now has now turned into a hero. So of course he can't be the villain in the actual game. But instead of using some other potential villain. Yeah, because they, there's thousands they picked, in the Mario games. They picked Bowser Jr., so it's kind of, okay, now I'm Bowser and I'm fighting Bowser Jr. Why is there an argument on who's going to win? Uh, but so, like, it, it's it's uh, some, some interesting choices they made there, but not outside of the realm of what they've done with things like things like Mario Party. But so then you get... You get your your GameStop exclusive version. Well, now they've given you the insert that has spaces for all of the characters that have been released. Oh, and already. how crazy would it drive you if you couldn't get all those characters? So you just have empty spaces well, yeah. in your box. And then think about think about something like Amiibo, which is mm-hmm. you know Nintendo's Nintendo's bid to sell sell tiny tiny statues of their characters that have effects that you can use in game. 
they're trying to bring in some of that some of that marketing appeal because so many so many Nintendo gamers do not like Amiibo and still purchase them. Oh yeah. So so they're kind of bringing that in, and I think. Well, if, I mean, you could look at with that. I mean, obviously we're veering on to, to video games at this point, but I mean, with that you can look at like you know the Breath of the Wild. The Nintendo Amiibo is probably set on most shelves for years with collecting dust and then when they're like oh you can unlock cool things in breath of the wild now they're on ebay for 300 dollars. Yeah. which on on this game they, they I were just hard saw, to get they were hard to get but when they didn't do anything yeah i just saw a listing for mario gamer or uh, monopoly gamer and five packs five or six packs for 150 bucks yeah. Oh so those, you, those packs are four dollars a piece. Yeah. There's eight additional characters you can get from those, and yeah, they're mystery, right? You don't. Know I them. don't know. If no, they they, are. no. My understanding is that you you know what you're getting when you pick it up. But I know that the Rosalina one is supposed to be like super rare, so I know that that's one everybody's yeah kind of yeah. The I've heard the the Rosalina one um, because that that is a pretty cool character to include there, and there's also the the Boo character. <laughs> That um, that I've heard has been a little bit difficult to get a hold of in some places, yeah. uh, which of course a company like Nintendo they've 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 built their business on being able to craft this sort of scarcity mentality oh, yeah. towards their products, uh, it, it, and that that's frustrating to me because I don't like I don't like that scarcity I think it's just feeding the feeding the the kind of secondary market yes. and the scalpers that. Yeah. Go in, and, go in and buy. Yeah, we've talked about our love of that before. Yeah. So, all in all, this game is, like, going crazy. People are going crazy for this game. And it just makes me sad because even if you wanted a family game, go out and buy Ice Cool. You're going to have mm -hmm. way more fun with that as a family game than you are this Monopoly game. And if you're a Monopoly fan, gosh, I bet there's better Monopolies. <laughs> I mean, I think it's... if. If you, are a, if you are a fan of Monopoly games, if you enjoy playing Monopoly, you don't need this game. You really don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a Nintendo fan, yeah, you don't need this it, game. Put it on your wall with your Nintendo but, stuff. But. but look at us where we were, though, 10 years ago in playing board games. We kind of played some stuff here and there. We play a Monopoly every so often. We played Space Monopoly. That's not Monopoly. Um, and... We would have picked this up. And I still stand by that D and D Clue is an amazing game. D and D Clue is a good. It's a good. <laughs> I don't think Clue is a bad game. Like, yeah. So like be, be, in all fairness, if I have to pick a classic Hasbro game, Clue is probably my yeah, game. Yeah. It has some good elements. It, it, but I mean, D &D it obviously Clue runs on too long. But but I mean, I, I look at that eight ten years ago before we really heavily yeah. got into board games. We would have picked this up. We would have played it. It it is it, it is it is for a lightweight game. It is. By by all accounts, it is a good game. Yeah. The, the The mechanics of it are a a very simplified version of what Monopoly is trying yeah, to do. Yeah, I like what so Jay said. So they stripped out it's, a lot of the garbage. Closer to like a Monopoly Junior. Yeah. If you've played Monopoly Junior with your kids before, it's, it's if, if you've never played Monopoly, but you you you've enjoyed a game like Mario Party. How have you never played Monopoly? Well, we can hope. <laughs> Maybe if you you happen to have a group that is really new to gaming or not not much into tabletop gaming, uh, but they are also familiar with the Nintendo properties, maybe this would be a good way to get them in, a good way to introduce them. And, and you know the the gameplay itself, the, the, there's a lot of mechanisms involved that uh, that have cleaned it up a lot. So I think I think you could I think I think, I think, I think you could work in a good game. It's, it's a step in the right direction. But man, I wish they wouldn't have slapped Monopoly on it. I mean, for Monopoly, it's it's a step in the direction of they, they made another deal with another 
another company to slap another label on one of their boxes. Yeah. And then Nintendo came in and said, "No, let's. We know how to market this. Let's let's try let's try this." And so you have so the Nintendo strategy. So please don't go out though and spend three hundred dollars on this game and getting the figures nope. and the stuff. Please you don't. should not worth it. If you're with, spending three hundred dollars, we could get you like sixty <laughs> games to play. Well, with I think with minimal you're effort, you're looking at. Like an eighty dollar buy in to get just everything. And yeah. if that's the what you want to do. And I feel like if you're, if you're going to buy it, you may as well get everything. If if you're comfortable with that for a lightweight game. For all the all of you though. So if you're not you, you have all of the spots in the insert because you bought the collector's edition, you have to fill them up. You don't but have a I choice. just bought it at Walmart. I didn't go to GameStop, but you're gonna burn that copy. So it's fine. <laughs> You can go to GameStop and you can get the exclusive. So, I mean, let's talk about shinier happy things. So, board, the Dice Tower Awards came out. Um, any shockers by Best Game Artwork of Scythe? Any shockers there? No. I don't think it's a shocker. I think there was some good options there. I, there were a few other games that came out this year that had some really good artwork that battled with it. They just but I think the Scythe, game around the artwork. I think Scythe definitely wins it. So, there's this... Uh, there's a kind of a, an awards situation for, for TV commercials called the, the Clios. And there's this big controversy over, over entrance for these awards where, the, where people will go out and they will make a commercial with absolutely no intention of ever putting it on the air. They have no intention of actually using this and there's no product attached to it. So they make this commercial that is some, some, some deeply well thought artistic piece that is like the really the sad Volkswagen commercial in the movie yesterday, by the way. It's like the sad Volkswagen commercial about them like driving <laughs> grandma on her deathbed to yeah, so that'd get be the, rid of her husband's ashes. I was like, yeah. that'd be the kind of that'd be the kind of commercial the that's, that's, that's out, <laughs> out looking for an award. And so there's there's controversy, you know, around the, around these awards because people are producing commercials that they they just go out and they find some company that will slap their logo on the end of it, and now it's a commercial. In reality, it's just a short a short film that they're trying to win awards with. You know, it's, it, the, the same thing happens with movies. Is every once in a while they put out a movie and it has all this unnecessary drama because they've analyzed what wins what wins Academy Awards and they think I can put this in and this is going to give me some awards and then make it successful. I'm saying side. The, the, there's the controversy around side winning artwork awards. In that some of the artwork was done before there was a game. No, I I don't think that was that was in mind at all. To be honest with you, I really think I could see this playing out. Like if we have a friend who's like just amazing at artwork, and we're like, wow, we should really, man, I'd love to do something with your artwork because it's so good. Other than just stick it on a wall or you know paint a thing. And if you were if you had the outlet to design a board game, which let's hope I never do because it won't be good. It, but if I was really good at designing board games, I'd be like, hey, let's put let okay, you know, let's take this piece that I really love and make it a board game. I don't, I don't think that it was put there with any sort of malicious intent or like intent no, to I, 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 I definitely don't think that they I don't think that they put it out with the intent of winning awards. But that is some of the the controversy, some of the negative negative opinion towards Scythe. Is that is that they are winning these awards? But if you had just picked some really good art and then built a game around that, that could also win awards. And You've so, been on the board so there, game there's group there's there's there's, a, there's the backlash against that. <laughs> the board game group. Oh, it's a very popular game. Let's make sure we hate on it. <laughs> I, 
and that happens. That happens anywhere. Yeah. Any, anytime something's too popular, there's there's always got to be somebody that oh yeah that crawls out and there's always the troll. I just think there there were good entrants for that. I think Scythe is definitely deserved winner. I think there's there's a couple others that easily could have won that and not been controversial either. I mean, Max versus Minions had some great artwork. Okay, with Max versus Minions, they actually won best production values, which I think that's pretty much like. Yeah, I mean they cheated. Because when you have an unlimited budget to do what you want, of course it's going to be good. Is there a troll in this room? I feel like there's a troll in this room. I'm just saying we, we have to we have to recognize where this came from. You know, it's, it, it, well they have they had they have an infinite amount of money to spend on fair. producing a game. That's it's fair. going to very true. It's going to be very good. They're not going to have to make the compromises that and smaller producers. Playing the do. game, yeah. let's be real. Like we got into the game, we played a couple plays of it. And it sits on the shelf of shame. Not because it was a bad, a bad game. game. It was really fun. It was a good game. But there are so many of that style of game that it makes it tough to get back to. Yeah. But, and, you know, you, you do. You can tell that it was designed by gamers. It was, it was designed yeah. by people that wanted to make a game rather than people that wanted to see if they could make some money. Yeah. Well, they went out and they hired people that wanted to design this game. Yeah, they actually game. like got Tom Vassal to go out. And correct. They, 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 they pulled in the people yeah. that, needed, that they needed to to make the game be good. Because they wanted to release a good game. Price, though, was on point. It oh, sold it at a amazing. good price point. $75 for everything in that box. Oh, yeah. You could repurpose that game and get your money. Like, even yeah. if you bought it just to put the pieces into something else, yeah. you'd get your money out of it. Um, the best small publisher was Role Player, which this is a... I, don't, I haven't gotten to play it. I don't think either, but any of you guys have gotten to play it. But I'm really interested in, to, in it. It's meta because it's like a board game based on building your D&D character. <laughs> It gets a lot of hate. I just gotta say, it gets a lot of hate because it takes the worst part, uh, or the worst part of gaming, which is building your character, and makes a game around that. It depends on the player. Some people, some people that really is. I get what your thought their, is. Their what their thought part. is, though, because what are you gonna build another dungeon crawl? Sure. Yeah. It's it, like <laughs> yeah, that's been done. Yeah. And really so well I recently. Give, I so give them it's hard props for at least trying something different. Once again, I haven't played it, so I can't give you my. It's opinion. a different thought. But I mean, yeah, if you want to build something on RPG. At least it's not another dungeon crawl. Best uh, new game designer was Terraforming Mars. I mean, this game mm. gets a lot of love. We haven't played it yet. Everybody else in the country has, but we always talk about picking it up. It's a it's a heavy euro, yeah. And we have multiple heavy euros on the shelf that we need to get played, and it just it may it's tough to buy another heavy euro that we have a hard time getting to the table because they take so long to play. We are skewing a lot towards lighter games these days. So that that kind of game is. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to justify when we don't have specifically a dedicated night mm-hmm. of, of doing games. Like we don't, it's not some. It's the kind of a heavy game is best if you schedule it, and we just we don't have lifestyles that really work yeah. for that right now. It so. does get lots of love mm-hmm. every time I hear it talked about. It makes me want to play it. It really does sound like high quality game. Stronghold does good work. Mm-hmm. Best two-player game was Star Wars Rebellion. Now, Ben played this, and he, I mean, was enamored with it. He loved it. Uh, he's also a huge Star Wars fan, so I think if you put a Star Wars theme on anything, he might like it. <gasps> Star Wars Pandemic. Then maybe Ben would play. I'm into it. Paul will hate it. <laughs> An IP, he doesn't like it. Well, well, my my biggest complaint with it is going to be that they're going to make Star Wars Pandemic, and it will be two player for some reason. <laughs> so 
Uh, this game gets lots of love. It's it's a huge game for two players. This thing is massive. Uh, I've seen it played, um, and it is just crazy how much is involved. But... It reminds me of the old Battlefront video game. They had a galactic combat mode, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like kind of chess style, going around conquering planets, and it's bringing that to a board game. And it's it's a back and forth two player. It's it's really fun. Best game expansion: Seven Wonders Duel Pantheon. I'm a huge fan of Seven Wonders Duel. I've not gotten to get a hold of this expansion yet, but I'm really excited about it. Yeah, they did a really good job. And I, I mean, I you will hear me frequently criticize games for being two-player games. Seven Wonders Duel is is a really good two-player game. There, there's a there's a world for two-player games. Really big market for two-player games, and Seven Wonders Duel is one of the top ones. Yeah, if you if if it's if, usually, if you got it's usually my recommendation. If I've got um, working at the game store, if I've got somebody, it's like, oh yeah, my wife and I play, or my husband and I play, or whatever, and you know, we don't get a whole lot of time. It is definitely one of the ones I recommend with Raptor. This Raptor is amazing. And you can pick it up at Target, which makes yeah. it a big draw. Accessibility it's not, is nice. It's not one of those that you have to go to a game store yeah. or order off Amazon or somewhere online. You can it, pick it up at Target and play it that night. Best party game, Captain Sonar. This is... Well-deserved. Won two awards, didn't it? Yeah. Two they or three. also won best game theming and most innovative game. Yeah. And uh, Captain Sonar is a really... F- I watched it played, and it was amazing to watch because I almost had more fun watching it because and I knew all of the information while everybody else and you've basically got your little you're, there's two separate two separate uh, submarines and one side of the table is one ship and one side of the table is the other ship and you're basically trying to battleship you know battleship with each other and take each other out mm-hmm. and it uses the like the clear with the dry erase markers I don't yeah. remember what that's like a bellow transparent transparency and to map things out and you've got different people playing different roles yeah, every, right every, and, everyone has their own station you've got someone that mans the radar and they're they're trying to keep an eye on or keep an ear on what the other person's doing because as you're making your moves it's it's all simultaneous play so you're listening to what everybody's doing at the same time that you're also trying to maneuver yourself so it's really easy if you just want to sit there listen to the other person try to figure out what they're doing but then you're really not accomplishing anything and then you have your your um, your weapons guys that are sitting there like reloading weapons and prepping weapons for you want to fire some torpedoes drop a mine whatever and then the captain who has the hardest job easily has got to coordinate all these all these people on the crew and you know so they they can say okay my my radar guys letting me know where we're at now we're ready to take a shot like all right, let's fire torpedoes but then uh, the weapons guys like hey we don't have we don't have any torpedoes we can't do that right now <laughs> Oh man! So it's it's really it, it's it's got a fast pace. It's it's really intense. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, and it's constant. Like it's constant play. There's zero downtime. I've I've watched it played, and it looks a ton of fun. Though the one downfall that I've I've heard, and the reason why I didn't pick it up, I had the opportunity to had it in my hand and decided against it because it takes eight players. You really to get the best, yeah. You get the play, best play out of yeah, it. Yeah, you can play it with less players, but I've heard many times yeah. it doesn't. You want eight players, and you can't just grab your seven buddies and pick it up and play. You gotta, you gotta have the players that are willing to invest the time and I and, and thought into it. You know, if they're not gonna talk yeah. correctly, if they're not gonna play the game right, because they're not, has, it's yeah, not gonna they, play. They, they, the they need to come that I have, it was yeah. almost role playing too, because you bit, really yeah. are. I mean, you really do get into that mode. So, like, I was listening. to to them playing it was really like load 
you know, lo- they, you almost had your own code midway through yeah. the game. You guys had your own, spoke your own language, and were kind of in your own. Yeah. Well, and you, you have to be talking clear so the other team can hear where, you know, yeah. when you say you're going left, they need to hear that. And so you have to be going back and forth. You can't have a lot of table talk going on or anything else. You have to be oh, yeah, this committed to the game, playing it. Phones or anything else. And on that's, the table. that's tough to get eight yeah. players that are going to do that. I mean, it, it's, 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 in, it's intense. It draws you in. You know, if your captain looks at you and says, I need torpedoes, like that's that's the only thing you care about doing. You're like, this is this is what we need to do. This is what we're gonna we may happen. You know, if you're if you're watching the other the other submarine, like it's the worst feeling in the world when they make a turn and you say, Oh, I don't know where they are. Like they can't make that turn if I knew if I'm if I'm right, so I must be wrong, so I'm gonna have to figure out now where they're. So you're scrambling, and at the same time, the captain's waiting on your advice on where to go to try to try to meet up with that that other sub or get away from it, depending on what you're trying to do. So it, yeah, it gets really intense as you're playing, and it. it's yeah, it's, it's really not cool. the kind of game that you can have that person who plays on their phone the whole time. It's know? great for yeah, a game like day that, if you can you know, grab the players that are willing to jump <laughs> in and play. Yeah, yeah, that's really what it's where it has its. And if you ever get to watch it, it's it's a lot of fun oh, yeah. because then you just watch these like submarines like go past each other or barely miss each other <laughs> uh, so it's a lot yeah. of fun couple more awards got best game reprint and best co-op game mansions of madness second edition i couldn't agree more i with love those. this game you know, we, 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 this we game. talked about this game a few times it's amazing. Well deserved. The emotions run strong in this game. It just plays. The app integration is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and the game just plays so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is everyone's kind of first suggestion when someone says, "What's a what's a good tabletop game that has good app integration?" This is the one that comes top of mind for most. You know, Descent. Descent was a really fun game until I got Mansions of Madness, and now I will never touch Descent again, <laughs> just because I love Mansions of Madness. Yeah, and it just feels better. Yeah. Like forgetting a it's theme, a story. Forgetting theme aside, because I understand some people are going to love hate the Cthulhu theme. Mm-hmm. People love hate the fantasy theme. Theme aside, Mansions of Madness does it better because yeah, you do. It's you a feel story. Like, you feel like you've been yeah. through things together. Mm-hmm. Like you've seen things together. You know, we talk about Captain Sonar. You know, you have to be committed to that. You get committed when you play Mansions of Madness. You're committed to the story. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, you're in. And when somebody's gone crazy, you're questioning everything they do. Yeah. Like wait uh, a minute. Well, Why the first you... time you don't. No. no time. After that, after you got screwed over because they cost you the game, yeah. from then on, you question every time somebody yeah. else goes crazy. I mean, it's it's always that tense moment where it's like, okay, this person's now gone insane, and they're asking for the rule book because they need to look up some rules for doing things they've never done before. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so... So there's a few things that you could do that you haven't done before at all in this game. None of them are probably going to be good for us. One's setting fires, yeah, the other's starting a fire. grabbing people or attacking yeah. other players. Yeah. There's all sorts of, like, you know, the rules for things. shoving things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, why, why would you shove it when you could just fight it? <laughs> and, you know, Descent's more dungeon crawly. It has slash. its place. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm going to sit down to play that style of game, I will pick Mansions of Madness hands oh, yeah. down every mm-hmm. time because because it's just a great story. Yeah. And I think we've covered everything in game of the year. Yeah, and no surprise. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's almost it's almost a joke at this point that every time someone's putting out awards, Scythe is winning some of them. And it 
and it deserves it. You know, there's nothing. I don't, I haven't seen any winning for side that I say they, they didn't necessarily deserve. You know, you could even you could say maybe there's another game that you liked more, but having side up there, it seems like the obvious choice. I'm more than willing to sit down and play side anytime, whether no matter the player count, up to the max with the expansion of seven. I oh, yeah, enjoy the seven player game. game. I, I, you know, it took three and a half hours, which isn't bad for a seven player game. Yeah. A side, which is a he- can be a heavier game it still it stuck yeah. direct to the box with half the players never playing it yeah. before your 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 twilight imperium players yeah. are sitting here saying i don't like light games i don't like that I yeah don't play that. well and <laughs> they, they can go get the other mayfair game that takes nine hours yeah. um but it's it just is such a fun game to sit down and play and you've got a little bit of downtime at the larger player counts you can mm-hmm. talk with other people it's not yeah. terrible. That's really helpful when you've got when you've got the full the full mm-hmm. complement and some of them are new because you can use a lot of that a lot of that downtime to talk strategy and get the get the players to understand what what's going on on the board. Go so it worked drink, it worked really well. You know, I've played that game. I've played that game at I don't think I've, I don't think I've covered every player count, but I've played it at one and I've played it at seven and and a lot of the spaces in between and it works really well. And there's the new expansion that came out or is coming out with airships in it. That, that has airships in it. Yeah, it's just straight Final Fantasy. Um, I mean, it's it just the artwork, the gameplay. It is a fun game, excellent game. So if it wins, if it starts winning awards next year, might be a little on the fence about that. But yeah, still, it's it's fantastic. What there's that? there's enough stuff coming out every yeah. year. That of course, it's yeah. hard to stay. When's the last time? When's, when's the last time someone put out awards that Seven Wonders didn't win something? Yeah. So. That we got Gen Con coming up. We just got done with Origins, and so all of that is kind of rolled up. And so we know it's coming out of Gen Con. I am so excited about Warring Colonies, Dead of Winter, Warring Colonies. This is going to be another game in the Dead of Winter universe, and it is going to. Ha- it's a like a max four. I think it's got like a two player variant. Four players like the minimum, and then it goes up to twelve. I think eleven. Eleven. And you, you uh, have five v five with the lone wolf. Yeah, you, you would have to have both the regular, the original. The Long Night and the Warring Colonies to play two two five player colonies and then one person that's a loner. Which I really love that aspect. I don't know if I'd ever get the player counts and the time because mm-hmm. I'm sure this game's going to take a while. But I love the idea of there's these two warring colonies and then there's this one person on their own yeah. trying to do things that will probably screw over either one of the colonies. Mm-hmm. Or both. Or both. So just really excited about it. Um, to me, it, it really feels like early Walking Dead when you actually had to worry about other mm-hmm. survivors. And you're. I'm really hoping that they do make that... that resource urgency of the oh crap we have to feed people and now not only is it we have to fight the elements and maybe the zombies which at the end of you know we always had things to worry about in dead of winter and i'm not saying it was easy but it was it was pretty clear like it was always okay go to the supermarket we'll fish through there find some food i'm really hoping they dial back the resources or at least make it harder for for or at least a more harder more uh obstacles to to get them to really emphasize the importance of like okay you have to go on a food run this turn and you have to go clear out the gate this turn and you have to so i'm really excited looking forward to this game also looking forward to 
Dead of Winter flick him up. My, a... my one downside of Dead of Winter, The Warring Colonies, uh-huh. is that I, I feel like it has the same problem in that you have to have a certain number of players. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get a larger number of players regularly, you're not going to make... The, the game's not going to make it to the table and isn't worth spending the money on. And that game will probably be get it more... To the I haven't seen the play times on this one yet. I, but... I want to say it was two, two and a half hour. I mean, it, yeah. it was standard. It doesn't increase the play time of Dead of Winter at all, but you have... Yeah, that's, and that's a big that's a big red flag to me. I feel like that I feel like that means you need to prepare for that to be like a five hour game. Yeah. It, yeah. It, because if, if we're gonna, especially if, if if you're talking about a higher player count, mm-hmm. Dead of Winter can be fairly slow play depending on who you've got involved. If you're adding players to that, there's no way you're keeping the same the same time on the box. No, well, but you're not adding because you you're you're basically playing a five player dead of winter. You're playing two de- separate five player dead of winners, and the colonies are warring. So it's just adding some extra components and some extra gameplay into your dead of winter. But you're still just playing two games of dead of winter. So yeah. it, it might expand it a little bit, but their big thing was it's not supposed to expand it expand that time frame much. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see because I've had ga- games of dead of winter begun <sighs> in forty minutes. Yeah. And then I've had games of Dead of Winter that go forever. You get that betrayer that jumps uh-huh. in and yeah. ends it right off the bat for you. It's like yeah, and I think I think the the loner mechanic is something that will be really really good for a group like us, where you know we we rarely ever exile anything. Yeah. So so we we haven't played much with what it looks like when you're outside the colony. Yeah. So having a having a loner out there, I think, adds that element for people that haven't been able to use it much. And Dead of Winter flick 'em up looks just. <laughs> I'm so I, I keep wanting to pick up Flick 'em Up because I, I do want to. Yeah. More Dex games. They're fun. There's something fun to play. And I keep pushing it off because the Western theme just doesn't draw me in. But Dead of Winter. But. Dead of Winter, the zombie theme, really, yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna sell it for me, and I will buy it. Yep, definitely. So uh, I think that's all we have this week. Be sure to, like I said, you know, pay attention to our podcast. We will be doing live, or not live, but end of day wrap ups. We might be doing some Facebook live stuff. So like our Facebook page, follow Twitter, uh, Breaking the Dice on Twitter, if you want some good chuckles during the day because. Uh, Paul's in charge of our Twitter, and he's funny. So, and other than that, yeah, send us your questions, comments, concerns at uh, Breaking the Dice on Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for joining us this month as we explore the world of board games. Please look us up on Facebook or Twitter at Breaking the Dice and give us your thoughts and feedback.